Good morning. Everybody comfortable? See, the deal is I run a little bit hot, so I thought we would kind of cool it down a little bit in here this morning. Uh, it's an honor to get to share with you the word of our Lord today. My text is going to be Psalm 18. Uh, so if you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm chapter 18. And we're going to focus our attention on verses 1, 2, and 3. Psalm 18, verse number 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. This was a song that David addressed to the Lord on the day that the Lord delivered him from all his enemies. It is a salvation song. It is a song of God acting on behalf of helpless ones with mighty acts of deliverance. And I should tell you that Psalm chapter 18 is very near and dear to my heart. As it is a vivid portrayal of my own wife's salvation and deliverance. Deborah loves Psalm 18. To hear her give testimony that is intertwined with Psalm 18 and how the Lord has walked her through each aspect of her salvation and His sustaining provision in her life by illuminating this psalm to her vividly is absolutely one of the greatest joys that I know. It's beautiful to see and to hear Deborah reflect on Psalm 18 and how she has so strongly been made aware of each verse's application in her own account of God's grace. Deborah, you've inspired me to preach Psalm 18. You know, I remember the very moment that it became something that I knew I would do. It was one of those weekends that we were getting away and going out of town, and it was much needed. See, I've got this microphone. I can't walk. It was a much needed getaway. And uh, it was one of those type of getaways that we left so early in the morning gym that it was still dark. We couldn't wait to get out of town. We needed it. And we were driving down the interstate, and uh, those of you that, that are hunters know what I mean when I say the words, the creation just started to come alive as it does real early in the morning. And we were driving at a place in the interstate where the, the sun was rising over the mountains, and it was just a beautiful morning. And out of nowhere, my wife just starts testifying. <laughs> Psalm 18. I wish I could communicate to you the power that was happening in the cab of our truck that morning. It was just, <laughs> we were rejoicing in the Lord. We were praising His name. It was just the two of us. We were singing and crying. I mean, it was just amazing. And uh, in that very moment on that road trip, 
uh, I decided that if I ever get a chance, I'm, I'm going to preach Psalm 18 in honor of the Lord and in honor of how the Lord has moved in our family and in our life. The reason I long to preach Psalm 18, though, is not just because of that. The reason I long to preach Psalm 18 is because there's a way in which this is the account of everyone's deliverance and salvation and his sustaining provision in your life. So my hope is that this is part one, if you will, uh, of a series that maybe we do together as a church family for years. Who knows? Whatever. We'll see how the Lord wills. But I want you to look with me to Psalm chapter 18, verse number 1. And I'm going to ask you some questions today as we go through this. My intention is to be very plain and straightforward. Psalm chapter 18, verse number 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Is that your testimony this morning? I pray that it is. And if it's not then I pray the Holy Spirit will do a mighty work in your heart this very day. If you're here this morning and you do not have an intense love in your heart for the Lord, if you're here this morning and you don't know the joy and the abundance of an active, intimate relationship with the Lord, I just want to tell you my heart breaks for you. And I want to testify to you this morning, if you're here. There is nothing more awesome than knowing Him. There is nothing more awesome than knowing Him as your Lord and as your mighty Deliverer. There is no other life that I would ever want to live than the life I live knowing King Jesus. I love you, Yahweh, my triune God. Is that your testimony? I'm so burdened by the fact that for many people, religious expression is these collection of ideas to study and concepts to understand. Do you have an intense, dynamic love for King Jesus. And by the way, what does it mean to say that we love the Lord? Well, in this verse, the Hebrew meaning of the word is to be soft, to have tenderness. In other words, David is saying, I am soft and tender to you, O Lord. Can I ask you another question this morning? Is your heart tender toward the Lord? Is your heart hardened before Him? Or is it soft before Him? David's heart was very soft toward the Lord in his expression. You know, by the way, it's easy for us to see why David was so tender. The Lord had just delivered him from all of his enemies. And from the hand of Saul. And here's what I get from that. When you've personally experienced deliverance. From the mighty hand of our sovereign God. When you know that instead of great consuming wrath. 
He has instead shown you his love and his goodness and grace in delivering you. Your heart is soft toward the one who has shown you such kindness. Oh Lord, soften hearts. Soften hearts today. If you're here today and you can testify of our Lord's deliverance and rescue, your heart should be soft. It should be tender toward our Lord. And if your heart is hard before our Lord, pray for him to show you the wonder of his salvation and his great deliverance. Turn in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 36. Let's talk about the wonder of salvation, shall we? Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse number 26, talking about this soft heart that we should have. In verse 26 it says, speaking of this great and glorious salvation, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone. By the way, that's the hard heart. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A soft heart. Look at Ezekiel chapter 11. Staying in this book. In Ezekiel chapter 11, verse number 19, he says, And I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my rules, and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. What kind of love do you have toward God? Is it the love like that of King David? Are you hardened or softened toward Yahweh? That's a good question in a room full of religious people, isn't it? Look with me to Psalm 51, talking more about this heart. You guys know this. This is like Psalm 18 is one of Deborah's favorites. Psalm 51 is one of my favorites. And in verse number 10, speaking of this heart, David's praise Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, that's what I'm praying for today. I'm literally praying for the miracle of new hearts this morning. Soft hearts that are soft and tender in their love for God. And I want to tell you, that's a miracle that only God can do. You can't religion yourself to this heart. You can't church yourself to this kind of heart that I'm speaking of today. You can't scholar your way to this heart. You can't will your way to this heart. You can't behave your way to this heart. No. 
This heart must be created in you as the new creature born of the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. And by the way, you young men in here, I wish some older man would have taught me this when I was a younger man. You young men in here who think that it's a sign of weakness to be tender and soft in your love and your affection toward anyone or anything, even the one who has created you and then delivered you, your supposed hardness, your supposed grit, it's not a sign of strength in this way. I would tell you that it is a sign of weakness. And we're going to look at that this morning. I would also tell you that David, King David, he was most likely a badder dude than anyone in here this morning. Anybody in here fight lions and win or bears? David was a bad dude, badder than any of us in here. Yet his heart and his love was soft and he was tender toward his God. Man, that's a word, isn't it? This religious, stoic. Scripture also teaches that if you have this love for God, and you've received this love from God, you will also be soft toward those who carry his name. Is that your testimony this morning? How do you respond when others want to share with you their account and their experience of God's love? How is your heart toward those? who are investing in you spiritually, attempting to encourage you, leading you in the ways of our God. I'm longing for a softness toward God and toward those who love him. I think it's very biblical. Go to 1 John. I'll show you where I get a lot of this. 1 John chapter 4. Verse number 7. I'm going to read a big section here. In fact, I'm going to read all the way through verse number 21. And I want you to examine yourself under the authority of God's word as we do. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. When we say that we love God, when we say that we love the Lord, there's a lot being said. Agreed? David's heart was soft toward the Lord. David loved the Lord fervently. But not only was David's heart soft in this way, there's something more we need to see in the Hebrew meaning of the word in Psalm 18 verse 1 that is translated as love. It also means to greet or to meet with. Isn't that interesting to you? It means that his heart is soft toward the Lord, but the the word also carries the meaning to meet or to greet. Not only did David have a soft heart, a warm tenderness toward his Lord, he also longed to express the love that he had to him. I love that. David had relationship with God. He loved him. And he expressed his love to him. He showed his love for God to God. He greeted the Lord. He met with the Lord. He was personally acquainted with God. Can you say that this morning? Man, I'm wanting to walk around and say stuff. Can you say that this morning? When's the last time it's been you, Jesus, and a little lamp? In this word. How's your relationship with the Lord? Look at Psalm 18.3. David says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. David called upon the Lord. Do you? Do I? Look at Psalm 145. I'm trying my best not to get off the notes here. We may do it anyway. Psalm 145, verse number 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near. Man, that's an important statement right there. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. 
He fulfills the desire of those who fear him, and he also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praises of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. How is your relationship with the Lord? How often do you express your love to him? How often do you greet him? How often do you meet with him in prayer and praise and meditation? I'm talking about alone with him. What I'm not talking about is how often do you get up and listen to a podcast? What I'm not talking about is how often do you get up and listen to a sermon? What I'm not talking about is how often do you get up and read some book about somebody else's relationship with the Lord. I'm talking about how often do you get up with a soft and tender heart for the Lord God Almighty who has delivered you and saved you and devoted yourself to expressing your love to Him. How often does that happen in your life? How's your relationship with the Lord? And by the way, it's not just getting up and and saying words to Him. How often do you listen for His voice? How often does the Lord speak to you? Can you say that in a Baptist church? I'm just going to tell you right now, the Lord speaks to me. He speaks to me through his word. He illuminates his truth in my soul. My prayer is just as much about listening for him as it is speaking to him. And let me tell you what scripture would say. My sheep hear my voice. The reason you don't hear How often do you listen for his voice? Because here's the thing. How can you hope to have a healthy relationship with our Lord if you never express your love to him? Can you imagine a marriage where that never happens? You know, he's called bridegroom and we're bride. Can you imagine a relationship A love relationship where you never greet Him, you never call to Him, you never commune with Him, you never meet with Him. If you don't have a soft heart before Him that is willing to be vulnerable and to be molded and shaped, to petition Him, to praise Him, with complete trust in Him, man, something's wrong. I tell you, this is where strength comes from. This is where strength to walk well in the midst of many enemies. The strength to overcome a hostile world that opposes you. This is where it comes from. By the way, that's why I say this hard and stoic heart toward God, it's not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. 
Go back to Psalm chapter 18, verse number 1. Look at what it says. I love you, O Lord, my strength. You see that? My strength. David's love for the Lord was expressed and was relationally experienced with the intimacy and the softness that he had toward God in his heart. And notice, that was directly related to what made him strong. (laughs) Do you see that? It's right there in verse 1. We're still in verse 1. Oh Lord, my strength. David knew that apart from a loving relationship with the mightiest one, he would be just like any other man. Pitiful and weak. And I just want to tell you, apart from Jesus Christ, Mark Testerman is pitiful and weak. And so are you. But when you have a soft heart toward him, and he's shown you great love and great compassion, and you express that love and you commune and you're guided by him and you have a relationship with him, there is a strength that comes forth that you could never know any other way. Because of his love for and his relationship with one so loving and good to him, he was strong. But it wasn't his strength. Don't don't hear me wrong. It wasn't his strength. It was the Lord. The Lord was David's strength. So how many of you can testify to that today? What's the source of your strength in this world? Because I'm just going to tell you, if it's you, (laughs) then your life is wobbly at best. But if the Lord is your strength, Well, then there's a stability, and there's a peace, and there's a resolve. There's true strength. If you're one who has been made new, if you've been given a new heart, if you're here today and you're born of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, then that's your testimony as well. Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In our Sunday school class, we've been all over the church in Corinth for a long time. How long? Anybody know? How long have we been in the church of Corinth between 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Four years? 1st Corinthians chapter 15. Verse number 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Let's go to Colossians. I want to point out a couple of truths here. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Is God the strength and the energy of your life? Man, that's a good question, isn't it? 
Reminds me of a verse in Nehemiah about strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know what the problem is so often with us? Man, I can say, oh me to this. In our pride and in our foolish hardened hearts, we cling to the folly of self-reliance. If you rely on your own strength, let me just say, you are toast. If you're relying on your own strength, you're toast. And let me tell you something about the enemies of your soul. The enemies of your soul are not threatened by your strength or mine. If you rely on self or anything else in this world for strength, well, you're just weak. But David was not weak. You know why? Psalm chapter 18, verse number 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Isn't that great? We're still in verse 1, Jim. I pray the Lord will show you that His strength is the only source that will sustain you. Stop trusting in your strength. How many of you struggle with that? Is it just me? Or do you struggle with that? Apart from Christ, we're weak. Can you say amen to that? In fact, we're far too weak. Look with me to 2 Corinthians. This, I mean, you know we've got to go to 2 Corinthians if we're going to talk about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We talked about this in class a little bit this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. By the way, that's only a true testimony. That's only a true testimony when the miracle of new birth is real. And that's seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, just up the page. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you're relying on yourself, you're weak. Too weak. You know, we try to get so cute oftentimes in the way we deal with God's Word. There's normally no need for all that. Just tell men and women what it says. It's powerful in the way it sits on the page. You know what? Let's move on. Let's go to the next verse. 
I promise we're going to get out of here. I shouldn't have promised. Eventually. I think we're eventually. I think we're going to get out of here on time. We've got an early start. Psalm chapter 18, we've moved from the first verse to the second verse. It says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Boy, that is a mouthful, isn't it? It's also a verse that should make every heart in here this morning literally just leap for joy. Because it's packed with truths that should awaken and stir in us great rejoicing if our hearts are not hard. If they are soft toward and before our Lord. We will not be ashamed to have and to express deep love and overwhelming joy because of these truths. You know, I read that verse and I said, that's a power pack verse. And Marilyn said, amen. She expressed. You know why she expressed? Because the soft heart's in there for the Lord. Man, if you are soft and tender to the Lord, you're not ashamed to express. You could just take that message around the United States to the Baptist churches. It's okay to stand up. It's okay to worship and praise. It's okay. It doesn't have to look like a funeral every Sunday. We can express our love. David did, and he was a badder man than you, and he expressed it. What makes us think in our pride that we're less manly or some goofiness if we don't express I don't get that. When this is the reality of who our great deliverer is and will be to us, man, I'm happy to talk about him. I'm happy to sing praises to him. And I can't say this has always been true, but I can say it now. I love to get up at dark 30 and turn on the little lamp. I love it. Is that your experience with God? What is your experience with God? If it's just this, Sunday, for about 45 minutes, or in our case, an hour and 45 minutes, isn't it wonderful to have experiences and encounters with God? I'm going to ask another question this morning. Is he your rock? Is he your fortress? Is he your deliverer? Is he your God? Is he the one in whom you take refuge? Is he your shield? Is he the horn of your salvation? Your stronghold? Because if he is, you must be a very stable, secure, joyful, restful purposed soul that must be the testimony of your life there's no other way to be what a fulfilling and victorious life you must know 
Let's consider this verse for a moment. The Lord is my rock. What does that mean? Literally, it says, Yahweh is my rock. That word means rock, crag, or cliff. What do we make of that? Well, in the context of David's day, it was a signal word. And it meant strength that could not be overcome. Cliffs and high places of stone, they were more than men could overcome. So it was a signal word that said, He is a strength in my life that can't be overcome. Rocks, crags, and cliffs also positioned warriors in places of protection and superior position. So it was also a signal word for places of protection. So David is saying right here that the Lord was strength for him that will not be overcome by adversaries. The Lord positioned him in a place of strength and protection and superior position. Is that your testimony this morning? Is the Lord your Lord? Does he position you in a place of strength? Is he your protection? Are you in a superior position over your enemy? Because of him. If the answer is no, I pray that the Holy Spirit will do a mighty work in you today. Because the answer should be, yes, that's who he is to me. I'm praying that you will have a heart softened. And that you will have a relationship with the mighty one. In such a way that you are able to rest and hope in a sure eternal reward. Where you will enjoy and praise this God forever in abundance that is a greater abundance than I can even communicate to you with words. I can't, I can't communicate it. I've spent my whole life trying to, but it's just more than I've got. The Lord is my rock. What is your rock? Please don't tell me it's your spouse. Please don't tell me that. What is your rock? If it's anyone or anything other than the Lord, it will crumble too easily. He's the only rock that's strong enough. The rock that is our triune God. He alone is almighty strength. He has no rivals. He has no worthy adversaries. He is under no threat. If he's your rock, then you are protected by the almighty. And if anything else is your rock, it crumbles too easily. Look with me to Psalm 89. 
Psalm 89, verse number 5. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones? And awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are. O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. You rule the raging of the sea. When when its waves rise, you still them. Verse 10. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon, joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High your right hand. Righteous and justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festal shout. Who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory. Look at verse 17. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. Is this sounding familiar? For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Praise the Lord for this promise to us. Man, does that not stir anything in you? Praise the Lord for these things. He's worthy of praise. Praise the Lord. He's worthy of praise. He's the glory of our strength. Guys, we are favored. And we are protected by the God who has no rivals. That's awesome. Psalm 18.2 also says, He is our fortress. In other words, he's the place of our protection. He's our safety. He's our stronghold at the highest place. Not only that, the Lord is our deliverer. Is the Lord your deliverer? If I called on you this morning, could you testify to how the Lord has delivered you? Is he the one who enabled your escape? If I called on you to testify, could you testify that he's the only way I was able to escape the enemies of my soul? He's the only way I was able to escape the depravity of my own heart. He's the only way I was able to escape. He delivered me. He reached down and delivered me. And set me on a rock. And I praise His name. I have a tenderness in my heart for Him. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm not just some stoic who believes the concepts of religion that make that true. No, I've got a zeal. Guys, there's nothing wrong with having a zeal for the Lord. A passion for 
for these truths? Do you see the world outside? They need to hear this testimony. Man, there's an escape, Aaron. There's a way out of this madness. He saved me. He delivered me. He'll deliver you. We've all got lockjaw and we're, we're sitting in these little bubbles where we tell everybody where we attend to church, but we don't live this stuff, man. With zeal in our hearts. Am I wrong to be this jazzed up? Guys, we're in a world that is desperate for truth. Hearts are breaking. Lives are being devastated as we speak. People are desperate. We can't lollygag in the way we express our passion and our zeal for the gospel. Where's the weeping for the lost and the broken? He's the one that enabled my escape. Man, Randy, I'm going to tell you, it was not, there's no way I would have escaped. I'm telling you, I was messed up. It was bad. My depravity was dark. The bog was miry. And this beautiful, glorious light shone in my heart. I was 17 years old. I'm far from perfect and I have not arrived. But let me tell you something. I have praised that light. Him. His name is Jesus. I have praised His name every single day since I was 17 years old. I love the Lord. He enabled my escape. He brought me to safety. I was hopeless, Michael. When we were hopeless and we were surely going to be utterly and eternally damned, He brought us to safety. Look with me to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40, verse number 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. <laughs> he put a new song in my mouth, Dave. I'm singing lyrics that I would have never sung. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You've multiplied O oh Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, none can compare with you. I will proclaim 
and tell of them. Yet they are more than can be told. What a word. He's my Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's so much more than even that, though. He is also to us a shield, the horn of our salvation and our stronghold. Go back to Psalm 18. He is my protection from all that would otherwise destroy me. That's what shield means, by the way. He's my stronghold. He's the secure height and the lofty place of retreat and peace in a world of open hostility. But the one I want to speak of for a moment is how he is the horn of my salvation. What do you suppose that means? What does that mean? You walk up to the average Joe at the mall and say, hey, he's the horn of my salvation. What does that mean? Horn means literally in the ancient Hebrew, the singular might. Literally. In other words, God is the might, the singular might of my salvation and yours. You see that this morning? Here's what that means, Mount Zion. You will be saved. You will be saved. Not by your effort, not by your strength, not by your might. If our salvation was upheld by our might, if it was sustained by my might, my grit, my strength, well, it would not be a salvation of deliverance. It would be a sad, tragic message of doom. But you are not the horn. And I am not the horn of our salvation. We are not the might that brings this to pass. We are not the might that sustains it. Or ensures it. He is. Mackenzie, he's the horn of your salvation, brother. How's that? You know, we have an enemy. The scripture often refers to him as the accuser. Anybody ever been accused? You say you're a Christian. You failed here. You say this is true. Look at how you blew that, big boy. You ever had that happen? And sometimes it's pretty tough, Kevin, because you've actually given him something to make the accusation pretty valid. salvation. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, the sin debt is paid. I am clean before a holy God. You can roar, but there's no teeth. You remember when I told you that David was a badder dude than everybody in here, and you remember that I told you that you could, he could, he he could literally fight a lion and win. Here's the story behind that. You see, the only way David could fight a lion and win was the Lord. And I want you to understand, we have an enemy that roams to and fro like a lion. And if the Lord is your Lord, like David, you can defeat the lion. You can defeat the accusation. You can defeat the accuser. You can overcome. He is the horn of my salvation. Man, that's awesome. Isn't it? Philippians chapter 1. Verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. We all know these verses. It says in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. How can that be true? Because he's the horn of our salvation. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. <laughs> Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. It's right for me to feel this way about you. Hebrews chapter 12. We're almost done. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 2. Looking to Jesus. Lord, help us look to you this morning. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Man, he's the author and the finisher, the protector, the sustainer. He's going to see you through to the end. I want to give you a word that's encouraging this morning. Your destiny's not up for grabs. Not if you're born of God. It's achieved. He's the horn of your salvation. Jude 24 says, Now to him who is able... To keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. What was it that had us rattled? So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you this morning to call 
on the one David called on. Man, step out of the stoicism. Step out of the religious routine. I do, I do Sunday morning, check. I do Wednesday, check. I do the... I listen to the podcast, check. I know all the latest sermons from Piper, check. Step out of the routine and call on the one David called on. Have your own relationship with him. You can't burn on someone else's fire. Have your own fire. Meet with him in the morning. Have a soft heart. And if you don't have a soft heart, beg him for one. Because see, here's the thing that's so cool. The one who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door's open. Call on the one David called on. Call on the one Deborah called on. Here's what's crazy. Everything I said this morning is the testimony of my wife. I live with her. She's a yeah, Guys, I am overmarried. Big time. And I, I actually really didn't even mean that to be funny. That's a courageous woman sitting right there. You have no idea what she's conquered in the strength of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you guys have a like testimony. He's the author and the finisher, isn't he? He's going to see you through to the end. I love that. Call on the one that David called on. Call on the one that countless others have called upon. And I want you to know something this morning. You can say this, even in a Reformed church, he will have you. He will have you if you call on Him. Come today. He'll have you today. Because everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to get in your car and shut the door and wonder anymore. He will have you. Call on Him. That sounds like an invitation. You're darn right. I invite you to call on Him with everything that's in me. I prayed. I prayed at 3 a.m. this morning. Lord, will you save one? Will you save one? Because here's the thing if you do call, guess why you called? (laughs) Oh, I'm reformed. Call on the one that countless others have called on. He will have you. And I'm telling you, he'll do a miracle of grace that is beyond my words today. And if you're calling on him, he's already done it. So look with me as we close to Psalm chapter 18, verse number 3. What does it say? It says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And guess what happens when when you do that? I am saved from my enemies. Call on Him. Be saved.
And if you're his, but you've gotten hard and stoic and dusty and dry, pray for a softening. Pray for a softening. A loving and a revealing work to be kindled afresh in you. And walk with praise, not defeat on your lips. And I'll tell you why, because he's rock. He's fortress. He's deliverer. He's God. He's refuge. He's shield. He's stronghold. He's horn of salvation. Meet with him. Call on him. Praise him. He's worthy. He will sustain you. And he will deliver you eternally. Amen. Let's pray.